0: Hi, and welcome to One Stop Co-Op Shop, your one-stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, the king of co-op, Steve Kingsley, and his special guest are going to review a game for you and have a related discussion. And without further ado, here's Steve!
1: Okay, welcome to One Stop Co-Op Shop. This is Steve. I'm here with Terrence.
0: Hey, you know, just uh, jumping since Peter couldn't make it. (laughs) <laughs> on Friday yesterday, just jump into a different One Stop Co-op Shop stream.
1: That's right. You seem like you're always on a stream sometime during the week. So thanks for helping me out here. So we're here at the Co-op Chat. Uh, if you're new to this, this is a segment where we cover some, well, cooperative news at, at first. And then we go into discussion topic. This was previously recorded on the One Stop Co-op Shop streamed YouTube channel. And for our podcast listeners, I'm going to skip over the news section, as that's not as relevant as it is now with this posting of this podcast, but I'll keep the rest of the content in here. But first, before we continue on with the living card game discussion, I would first like to thank our Patreon supporters. This week, I'd like to thank Mom Gamer, Co-op Lover, Omar Filmerson, a Co-op Fan, and William Holmes, a Co-op Champion. Thanks to you three and everyone else who helps support us on this channel. Uh, so we'll do those two things. Discussion topic this week will be about living card games and the deck building, about aspects of them. So that's why Terrence is here, because he's kind of our resident living card game expert on One Stop Co-op Shop. Let's dive into the discussion topic. So this week, we want to talk over the living card games. Which, But one thing that we hear a lot of is, which games should I buy? me you want to get into living card game, but you're not sure... And I think a really big driver for it is on the deck building side of it. Like, like that is, at least talking on our Discord, uh, some folks like the ability to build decks ahead of time in different different fashion. Some of them will like a little bit of an easier entry into that. So we'll talk about that and comparing chats across the board. So I, I guess I'll start off the conversation real quick and talking about which one do I think is the easiest one to deck build for and I think the, the answer for that for me is by far Marvel Champions. Um, and I say that because two factors. One, the nice thing is you buy a pack and it comes pre-con- pre-constructed, right? You don't even have to deck build if you don't want to. It's like, oh, here's a hero. And I think the base sets of how they build them is pretty solid, honestly. Like, I like tweaking things. I, I really like deck building a lot or changing, customizing it quite a bit. So, But uh, it's a nice one when, when you don't need to do that. Uh, what are your thoughts
0: terence uh do you agree yeah I, I i agree with that i think there's a few things that kind of i mean obviously the pre-con thing is one they 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 tried that in arkham 2 with the investigator decks they released five one for each kind of class uh i guess is what they're called always forget the terminology between the various games but yeah you have like one for each of the different things and it also comes with upgrade cards which are nice uh for arkham right. uh but yeah uh, Marvel is the easiest, I think, because they limit you to a single aspect for the most part. Uh, there's, there are a few heroes that kind of buck the trend. Uh, I believe only two right now, and there's only three, I think, in total that we know um, that kind of change that formula up a little bit. But the decks are only 40 cards, uh, uh, 40 to 50 cards. Um, and the fact that 15 of those cards uh, are cards you can't change out, means you you're only picking 25 cards uh, right and, and in that signature set generally most of those cards are going to be kind of under costed for how strong they are too because they're meant to be these powerful abilities that are unique to that hero uh, that's not like always true across the board but generally that's going to be true like they have said like an equivalent thing in, in an aspect or even uh the basic are going to cost more to do the same kind of effect so uh, you're starting out with, like, 15 cards that are meant to synergize with your hero's ability. And so you kind of can just pick an aspect and then pick some basic and aspect cards kind of go with it. And uh, if you've watched Peter on stream, I think he's he said, like, sometimes he basically never plays anything but uh, his signature cards. Uh, so, like, everything else is just a resource card, right? Uh, <laughs> and, and what makes it even easier is that, like, Three of those cards uh, can be these double resource cards. So you already have like, like it's very rare. Uh, it's definitely possible and there's definitely heroes that don't want it. Um, but you're almost auto-include and they put it in almost every pre-con. Like I have literally, I don't know, like as many double energy and genius and strength cards as there are heroes, except for like, I think Star-Lord didn't come with them. So, like, minus one hero, I have like that many copies of those cards because right, they. Right. Them in every <laughs> so, like, now you're talking about only like 22 cards, right? That you have to come up with. And that's just like way less than I think any other deck on the game. Um, Agreed.
1: Agreed. Or LCG, rather. By the way, uh, Just Tom doesn't give you a hard time, Terrence. He says, like, hey, you need to clean your bed. He's giving crap. <laughs> <I guess>. Nice. <laughs> but no, I completely agree with everything you said there. Yeah, because. You have a lot of the cards already set for you. You only have to fill a smaller gap. And generally, like you said before, you're only looking at a subset of the Aspect cards, right? The other cards you can get. Like, you're looking at, what? Well, not quite 25% of the cards available to you. So, Alex says, uh, Of the current LCG games, I agree that Marvel Champions is the easiest to deck build. The dead Star Wars LCG, he said, was also super easy to deck build. Literally pick 10 objective sets and you're ready to go. That's a great point. Because um, that was nice, in that you had groups of cards to grab. So instead of like grabbing, hey, I want one or two or three copies of this specific card. With the Star Wars one, you grabbed, um, I want this group of cards, and you, you had to take. I can't remember how many were in the set, but whatever it was, you would all add all those cards into there, So you had less variability in that sense, but it still worked well from a from a deck. It was
0: uh, it was six cards in a pod. It's called the pod system. Yeah, uh, thank you the but only five went in the uh commander deck is what they called it i believe mm-hmm. uh because one of the cards was an objective so you'd have an objective deck so every pod had an objective as the first card in this in the set and then five cards that would go in the commander and then you could uh basically only have two of any uh pod in that thing so you'd have to build a 50 card deck which means you have to pick 10 pods. um Yeah, it was was a really cool system. It was very different, uh, very unique deck building system. I don't know. I I think maybe in the early game it was okay to, or it was like not super hard, but I definitely think like pod building is not (laughs) necessarily the easiest thing either, right? Like having to figure out and kind of build um, uh, some of that stuff. But yeah, you you definitely are making a lot less choices, right?
1: Yeah, and I I think that ties into one of the comments I want to make about what I find at least from one difficulty with deck building is Sometimes, if it's restricted enough, like talking about Marvel Champions, you you have less cards to add in there. We're looking at twenty five cards, outside of the signature cards, of course. You can only change, and then in that you can choose generally one aspect and in, in a bunch of commons, right, that you can pick from. But on the flip side, and maybe it's just me, but if it's an open model where it can basically add any card in it, like I'll I'll bring in uh Lord of the Rings here as another talking point, I find that easier too because I'm not worried um, over in my head of all these restrictions necessarily. Now, the flip side is I have to be careful how I build the deck to accommodate those different cards because, especially with Lord of the Rings, you need to have the resources to pay for those cards from those those specific sources. It's not just like a generic source of resources. I need to make sure I have have the right spheres to, to pay for those. So it's a little more tricky on that side, but for me at least, um, I... I found Lord of the Rings deck building more difficult than champions, but, but um, probably
0: more of the medium range because it's more open for me. For me. Yeah, I, I guess I can see both sides of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if you're kind of used to kind of deck building before, Lord of the Rings probably feels the most familiar because it deck. has a lot of the magic tropes uh, that were popularized by... I mean, it's the 800 pound gorilla of like deck... Like CCGs, right? Uh, for sure. So, like, you'll feel right at home to some obviously, you have to like learn the nuances of the game, and the system, but, uh, you'll see a lot of those card mechanisms that I think, like, there's definitely, like, uh, I feel like the different archetypes and stuff in Lord of the Rings are much more aligned to kind of what you will see in, not, not 100%, but like in some of the other games. And they're probably not nearly as prevalent, I think, in, uh, Marvel and Arkham. Like, they definitely have those things, but, uh, Lord of the Rings just has it, like, to a much bigger uh, amount, right? But I, I think, like, any any of those these those kind of things, like, deck construction is just simply easier once you have the card pulled to some degree in your head. So, like, even even though, for instance, uh, like, Arkham may be harder than Marvel Champions, uh, like we're saying. I, I think for a lot of people, as they got, like, if you grow with the card pull, you you're able to winnow down very quickly because there tends to be stables. It's like, oh, if right. I'm building a guardian, like these are kind of the best weapons. There's certain investigators or whatever that may change that up because of synergy with their investigator. But generally, I feel like if if you are building those investigators enough, uh, like you tend to be able to kind of spot the patterns and and know the cards that you're going to auto include right it's like uh, you're probably the most familiar for the ring so it's just like okay if i'm building a spirit deck i probably am going to automatically include tests as well what's likely what card is that <laughs> sorry
1: i have to give tense crap because he he gives me a hard time because most of the time I don't include that card just because I used it so
0: much in the past and so I try not to use it. So, but it's a great card. You're, you're exactly right. <laughs> so. Yeah, so there the, the tends to be staples in a lot of these games. So, like the more you play, yeah. the more like uh, those kind of. It's just easier to put a deck together. Um, like I know a lot of people complain about constructing decks for these games, but like, like I can probably put. I, it may not be a great deck, but I can put <laughs> a, a deck together like, in probably five to ten minutes in most of these games, right? Like, just because you know the card pool. For me personally, Arkham is the hardest, Uh, not because Arkham has a harder deck building than Lord of the Rings. I think probably if you had equal experience for all of them, Lord of the Rings would be the hardest just because, one, it has the largest card pool. just have to know more about the game, but Arkham is the one I have the least experience playing. Like, I only have 40 plays uh, on the dot for Arkham, and I have... Over 300 for Marvel, and I only have 195 logged for Lord of the Rings, but that's oh only for God. the last like three years. Only 195? What are we doing? <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my first five years or so, like, I didn't know of BGG and I was just playing Lord of the Rings, so none of sure. those plays are logged. Um, but
1: yeah, and honestly, in the chat, if you guys have any other comments you guys want to ask us, this is, we are focusing on this topic, but honestly, we are open to covering any, any questions you guys may have yeah so talk about the arkham let's talk about that deck button a little bit or so that one you're choosing a investigator and the investigator then defines what type of cards you can add into into the deck you're you're creating the nice thing about arkham that's easier from lord of the rings is like lord of the rings i feel like you tend to go through more of your deck or a lot of your deck or potentially if you want to you can design so you go through the full deck in the whole game arkham because you don't generally draw as many cards and Honestly, sometimes you don't want to draw as many cards. That can be good or bad, right, in how you build it. It might mean that you might not see certain cards and it's not as important, but at the same time, you if you have key cards, you want to make sure those come up somehow.
0: I, I guess I would push back. Like, I, I think it really depends on how you build your deck in Lord of the Rings. Like, True. I don't draw through my entire deck. Like, it, it's definitely not like Marvel Champions, which right. I think has the most lean design because you are—it it is more like a deck builder uh, kind of mechanism of like, you're drawing a whole hand of cards uh so like for a lot of heroes that's like five cards a turn like net new cards if you're not holding anything right uh right and on the low end you get four right and and both arkham and lord of the rings are top decking so like exactly you have the same mechanism i mean the the arkham decks only 30 cards right versus the lord of the rings 50. uh i think there's less card draw mechanics in arkham for sure than lord of the rings uh which is maybe what you're kind of getting at but correct uh yeah i mean there's definitely yeah, you definitely have to build a little bit for consistency, but you do get a, you do get, they have a significantly stronger Mulligan effect to kind of, I think, make up for that, right? So uh, in, in Arkham Horror, your Mulligan, you draw five cards, uh, and then you can basically set aside any cards that you want to keep. And then any other card you uh, take out, and then you draw that many cards back into your hand, and then you shuffle. Um, whereas Lord of the Rings is you draw six cards, if you don't like your hand, uh, you have to shuffle the entire hand back in and then draw six more cards. So even if there is one card you wanted in that hand, better really want that one card, uh, <laughs> right. you know, right. uh, to not to not take that mulligan. again. So uh, you're definitely, like, I think Arkham's definitely trying to set you up for success on that first turn.
1: For sure. For sure. Yeah,
0: and I think the other,
1: we we'll talk a little bit more, is dead cards. Like in Lord of the Rings, you can absolutely have dead cards in your hand where... To, if you have, for example, unique cards, you can only have one out in play. And if you already played it, well, then this other card in your hand is just going to take up space. Now, the plus side is there are frequently negative effects in the game that cause you to get rid of cards in play or discard cards from your hand. So in that case, the dead card can have a use. And you can also use that in your, your some of the other cards in the game that says, hey, discard this card to gain an effect, right? But generally... Unless you're prepared for it or the scenario allows for it, you could have dead cards in your hand. On the flip side, with Marvel Champions, literally every card is a resource. And so you will never have any dead cards in your hand. So I feel like from that standpoint, if you're building for it, it's okay to make a mistake with adding a card that you just won't play. Because guess what? It can always be used as a resource. And Arkham is similar to that sense because at least you can use it for the skill test, Right. So I think those are more yeah. forgiving on the resource aspect of it and balancing it, as opposed to Lord of the Rings, what you need to make sure you have, you watch that resource curve and and get the proper proper support for the paying for those cards.
0: You you do get three resources a turn though in Lord That's of the Rings versus one in Arkham. That's true. Um So yeah, the skill tests are great. Like oftentimes, like in Arkham, I have found that you only because it costs you actions like arkham has an action economy right so because it costs you actions to play cards you also aren't necessarily like playing a ton of cards like building out your board state to the same extent you are going to be and of the rings and to some extent um marvel for some of those for a lot of the heroes and so like there's something like some crucial assets or uh i guess allies or assets and stuff as well uh that you kind of want out um and then the rest are going to be used for skill tests like you're saying which is kind of the double use side of it except for obviously the skill cards which can only use the skill test mm-hmm. um and then there's there's also some cards like that don't actually have skill test icons but that's kind of rare too so a few exceptions to the double use card i think that's also true in marvel champions yeah uh, there's very there's some rare exceptions that don't actually have resource icons on them mm-hmm. but the so like you're, you're definitely not playing as many cards in arkham and then you're going to be using uh you will be playing events and then it definitely puts high value on cards that say have the fast keyword in Arkham, uh, which is something to take into account, because those don't cost you actions to put out or to play as events. Um, and so uh, that kind of makes a big difference in that game.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good point. Like, If you are playing Arkham, there is more than just playing the cards out of your hand. Like In, in my, my opinion, Marvel Champions is focused so much on the cards in your hand, Which card should I discard to play the other cards in my hand? It's a really fun puzzle. And Lord of the Rings, you're going through your deck to try to pull out the synergies and combos that you put in there to to elevate that. And in Arkham, yes, you have a tableau, but you also don't have to necessarily play the cards in your hand, well, to some extent, because you have actions, right? It's action based, so you can do other stuff on the board. Um, Ryan's got a comment here. So I love card games and deck builds in general, however, I hate deck construction. Especially because I don't have the time and money to know the whole card pool. Yeah, that's a really good point, Ryan. It's a lot to understand the card pool. And especially when you're looking at a game like Lord of the Rings, which 9 years of support, or 10 years of support, something
0: like that. It's 9. 9, nine years. years,
1: yeah. That's a huge card pool to get hold of. And, and even with Marvel Champions, King Regular support and Arkham, I mean, all these games are going to have a huge pool at their end of their life, what it happens to be. I mean, that's the nature of the beast. And it's it really does help a lot to get in on it when it starts for that reason. It's easy to understand the pool and to kind of follow the meta as as the pool grows and to figure out what the staples are. Um, that's that's a big thing.
0: I, I will kind of challenge that to some degree. I, I feel like the game is at its best because all these games require enough cards to make. If you're into deck building, deck building interesting. And uh, obviously Ryan's comment, like maybe you aren't like, uh all like I think both Arkham and Marvel probably more so than Lord of the Rings like have pretty solid core sets kind of things where there aren't too many downsides so you can just pick that up and play it and not doing the deck building and just use the pre-cons and it's a pretty decent experience you're just gonna have it's just gonna have limited replayability uh and a big advantage I think of LCGs is that it's kind of always expanding but I have found by like cycle three uh when they've kind of done their third wave of the product Like, it's where it really opens the door to, like, coming up with decks that aren't necessarily always the same as someone else who came up with that deck. Because if you have a limited card pool, like, it's just like, oh, if I'm building Daisy and I want to have, you know, the the tomes and stuff, like, there's only so many of those that are actually in the card pool. So, like, I'm probably going to build a deck that looks very similar to someone else. Um, But, like, you fast forward to Arkham today, like, there's a lot more choices right um right right being like six seven cycles in i think and so i actually think it's getting in at year three which is what i did for Lord of the rings is actually also a sweet spot if you're looking to that kind of to answer the i'm not interested in in uh building kind of the decks or having the time and space to know the card pool i it, we get that a lot actually in the discord and probably marvel champions is the Easiest in that sense, just because, like we said at the beginning of the stream, there are the pre cons. You can just buy a hero pack. You know, th- those decks are decent. They're not necessarily going to be like top tiered decks uh necessarily um but you can just buy a pack for like 15 bucks and then you have a pre-constructed deck to kind of go but all these games have community resources that are out there so uh there's marvel cdb for deck building there's arkham db and there's uh, ring cdb uh, and they're all kind of built off of kind of the same code base uh that started i think the thrones db uh was the original one and uh you can find popular decks or the kind of you know, ones where also people have limited card pull is another popular kind of thing where people try to deck build with constraints. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, there's a system uh, that people call progression style, where like you only play with the card pull as it releases for the quests that have come out, and so you're not actually bring in quests or cards in from like year nine uh, to like a year one quest necessarily. um So you can find those kind of decks there. Uh, and then all those sites as well when you open any of those decks they will tell you the packs that are required so you can kind of you can also in search uh, when you create an account uh, edit and save what is in your collection and you can have it restrict searches based off of cards that you actually own so you don't necessarily get a bunch of really cool decks that you can never actually build because you don't own those cards for whatever reason or if you do not, own you do find a deck that someone links you to but you don't own necessarily all the cards uh, uh i know on rings db it will show an orange uh cards that you don't own so potentially you m- there might be a card that isn't necessarily crucial to that deck that you could potentially replace you definitely have options there like a, it's very common like i think probably arkham more than any of the other games uh, i've found people on our discord say like they don't like deck building but they net deck and one of the nice things about some of the the arkham deck construction that has been brought up a lot uh, in our discord has just been it is so campaign based like you can do one-offs but the game is built around campaigns so like if you net deck like a single investigator um you're going to play that scenario you're going to get some xp and you're going to play seven more scenarios for eight total scenarios you're playing a single deck that is going to change but like at least it's like the core is this one deck and then you don't have to necessarily listen to the guides of like how this deck is going to get leveled up like some of the arkham uh, decks that are published have these like mini novellas i feel like of like how to run this deck because it's not only like how you play it but then also how you upgrade the deck and what upgrades are more important as you get XP from playing the various scenarios. So uh, you can get kind of that like upgrade thing, like whether you want to follow the guide or whether you want to just do it yourself. Uh, at least you kind of get that option, but at least you're running a single deck uh, through a bunch of games.
1: Yeah, and Ryan mentioned he he also finds those deck building sites super useful when playing on. Tabletop Simulator because you don't have to construct a deck. You just pick one and just play it. And especially on like Tabletop Sim or Octagon, you can just download it and then upload it into those systems and start, start playing it. It's really, really quick and and, quick and and sweet how that works. The other thing I remember when using those uh, sites is, I know the Lord of the Rings one specifically had a recommendation. So as I was building a deck, as I was entering certain cards, it would query decks that can include that card and kind of query like which were the most common cards used use with that other card i just added and so basically you'll essentially provide a list of card recommendations based upon what you're starting to build on which is kind of cool it was a nice way of filtering out like you said those staples that you might
0: might want, want to learn about yeah i think rings and arkham both do it i don't think marvel has that in their um I... their, their deckling site that I'm yeah i
1: I assume i will happen at some point, but we'll see. And Ryan does say also he says he's he says I think if I'm going into a game fairly new, he's more of a fan of deck building in the game like Time to Underdark or Moonraker as opposed to deck construction uh, as opposed to LCGs. And I think that's a that can be a pretty popular, uh, common art approach, right? Because deck building, you you throw the game down in a standard deck building game, where deck building the mechanic, not like an outside part of the game, you have generally a, a set marketplace. So you can look at those cards and figure out what competition you want from that. It's kind of restricted in that sense. Or you have a essentially a r- river of cards in front of you and five or six cards. And then as you buy one and replace with another one. So either of those types styles, it's, it's looking at the, what you have in front of you and seeing how to make that work, as opposed to looking at the card pool and like how I... I do the, my deck construction is, I like to find, hey, this card's cool. How can I make this card work? what can I do that's really interesting about this card? And then you can, then you have this big, wide breadth of content to, to sort through and figure out how you want to make it work. And I, I, I played Magic the Gathering a lot growing up. So I was used to that style of play. So I was really excited when I came across a cooperative version in Lord of the Rings with my first exposure to the living card games. So that was definitely down my alley. But I can totally understand how how that can be very overwhelming. or not everyone's everyone's cup of tea?
0: Yeah, uh, I we get that comment a lot. I feel like when LCGs come up, of people preferring deck builders because they feel uh, Howard. I think specifically always says it feels like work or homework, yep. and I don't Great. want to do that. I, I guess like similar to Steve, like my approach is different from that. Like I I view I probably spend just as much time out of i mean I, I don't know what the exact you know minutes <laughs> or hours or whatever but i'd only spend uh just much time out of the game but i consider that fun like it's not honestly, it's right. not work to me it's like it's like oh it's it's part of uh exploration i think that's what you like to call it like like i love you know games that have deep exploration whether that's uh you know exploring it within the game but there's something nice about being able to do it but not having to like bust the game out and set it up and still kind of being in the game of like like this is this is the stuff that you love and and kind of thinking and, and being able to talk to people about it and lcgs for me were such a big breakthrough of like it was always frustrating and magic of like you had to buy singles or kind of get all the cards to build it and one of the really cool things was if steve built a cool deck or i see a cool combo that he does like i can go home and build it if i own all the cards right right Um, right and it's like feasible and very common for people to own everything whereas it is pretty infeasible i think in any ccg for someone to own everything you're probably just going to own the cards you need to build the decks that you want to build uh, as the meta keeps changing um And so that was kind of a breakthrough for me but yeah I mean it, it's like a lot of fun I I even build decks that I don't play like uh, Colin did the streams recently uh for the alip stuff uh, which is the fan- made expansion for Lord of the Rings he played through that kind of deluxe box with three quests and I helped him build I've not even played any of those decks but I helped him build those decks that he played on stream and uh, like also the charity stream we did uh or that you all did yeah extra service, life. Right? yep Yep. Yeah. Uh when when they did the Lord of the Rings thing, I helped build all three of those decks. Mm-hmm. Which again, I, I don't think I've actually played those three <laughs> decks that I've <laughs> built, right? But like I there is a joy of it for me that is like being able to like piece the puzzles together, seeing the combos and actually like make it work uh in those constraints that I find fun. Um yeah. It's just I guess a little less dynamic, um, but it's like a clean room environment.
1: Yeah, and I think that nails why I enjoy these types of games, and I enjoy deck builds for the same reason. Like taking the, these components, put them together, and making it work, and seeing what I can do with it. Because that, for me, that exploration side of it is so fun for me. And I enjoyed in this type of construction, deck construction type, and deck building doesn't matter to me. It's I just love it. And I I'm a little bit different in the sense that like I like doing weird stuff, like trying to break the game, like <laughs> almost where. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, I played uh, with a deck with only single hero, and the hero cannot attack, quest, or defend. Which is basically everything you can do in the game. <laughs> but just try to see if you can make it work. So Snow has a comment here that says, I'd like more if LCGs had either recommended decks, like the Saga ones in Lord of the Rings have, or if the cards were split into sections so you would be somewhat limited in deck building. Yep. that's that's, And I, I think in Lord of the Rings, at least, they started having deck lists at some point in the deluxe boxes, if I remember correctly. No, I think they only did those
0: in sagas. It I was only the I, sagas. Okay. Because the problem with the deluxes is like, I feel like in theory, you can just use the deluxe and play with a core, but like you, you ain't beaten those quests with one core set and like a deluxe box, you know, like, <laughs> right. uh, whereas like, I, 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 I mean, I, I do think the saga is actually really hard if you get to some of those later uh, scenarios and stuff, like they're not easy. Uh, but kind of the expectation is that Uh, their design where you can have a single lord of the rings core set and only own the saga, because that's such a popular thing right it's like people just want to go through the story because they love the story uh like the deluxes are kind of these made up things so like they very much for theme like you know like the theme reasons are a little contrived i think for deluxes right like these aren't stories that really existed they're the fg made up ones and so in the deluxe in the sagas like they really wanted to help i think like build these kind of decks that you could go through those scenarios with like, you know, you're going through escaping the Nazgul and fellowship of the ring. So they have these like Hobbit decks, right. Um, That both feel thematic and are actually like that Hobbit preconstructed deck. is like legit, like good deck. Right. Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, and similar to the Hobbit, right. Like they had a basic Dwarven, a Dwarven fellowship kind of thing that again was like probably the first first actual archetype in lord of the rings because it was the first archetype that had enough cards to kind of build a full deck around right you just got enough dwarves uh between cause of doom and and kind of that first hobbit box yeah for sure
1: uh ryan has another comment here He says yeah with my time as limited as it is deck construction takes up too much away from actually playing he says and i think that's a really good point i've seen that mentioned a lot a lot of times like It depends on where you find your enjoyment right if your enjoyment is just literally playing the game then yeah i can see why something like deck construction would not be your cup of tea i know for myself and i'm assuming for you as well Terrence, that you also find a lot of enjoyment over the process of putting together that deck figuring out those combinations those synergies and so for me that is that is part of the game that is not like something outside the game that is a piece of the game for for me
0: yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I do think there's part of it that I, I can appreciate that sentiment because, like, some I, I have a weekly Lord of the Rings uh, group where we have game night, and uh, sometimes it does feel like homework of, oh, crap, I don't have a deck uh, actually built to take with me. Uh, luckily, like, uh, uh, there's a famous person in our group called Bjorn who always brings like six or eight decks with him every time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can't just show up. Uh, because we do want people who, maybe not even play Lord of the Rings, to be able to kind of join us and play. But generally, I, I like to bring my own deck. So uh, if I don't have a thing, I have to like uh, actually go and like build it. Um, and so, given some of those time pressures, I, I can appreciate uh, that sentiment. But I, I will say one of the one of the things that kind of comes out of this though is like I think one of the big benefits for LCGs is like. Uh, I, I do think 50% of the game uh, for me personally is actually deck construction. Like yeah. it's just as much as playing, uh, part of the enjoyment is building the decks. And the other part for me is like, I, I know people have different stances on how they appreciate this kind of preview and the spoiler articles that come out from FFG. But I like love that stuff and I eat it up and I really enjoy just being able to kind of see some of the spoiler cards or they spoil an investigator or a hero and you get those gears turning your head of like, ooh like this this changes up the game or i can do these combos with this or and they don't like show you everything generally I, I think the latter half of the lord of the rings stuff like near the end i think almost all the cards were basically spoiled in some of those previous articles but though <laughs> like generally it's just like you see a card or two and oftentimes i feel like this is when lcg is at its best Is like it changes the game where like potentially cards of heroes or things that weren't as good and this happens all the time in LCGs. i've especially seen in lord of the rings and it definitely happens in marvel champions too where uh like if I, I think like a lot of people considered thor like very disappointing when he first came out just because it, it wasn't this very good solo hero and a lot of people play marvel Champions solo but you know he's pretty decent in multiplayer uh and kind of the, the cards and and deck that came out at the time but like uh, I think Thor is, like, pretty pretty good now uh, after, mm-hmm. all, like, all these cards have come out. And, like, you start to see, like, even just some of the spoiler articles, like, ooh, that, like, combos really well with that hero, even though these cards aren't necessarily, like, built for that hero, right? And so right. I think those kind of things is what makes LCGs exciting, is that uh, it's shifting and evolving, and it is this thing that is not static. Yeah, absolutely. There's another comment I want to pull up here. Uh, Alex
1: says... Do you think LCGs can put off new players once a few years have passed and there's a lot of content? I've heard this comment several times when new players want to get into Arkham Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Netrunner. I absolutely have seen this myself as well. I remember talking to someone who was interested in getting to living card game and judging by, I asked them like, what are your likes and dislikes? What type of things do you like about games? And as they described it, honestly, it sounded like Lord of the Rings would be like a really good fit for them. So when they want to go look at it, they saw that it was, this was like a couple of years ago, so like eight years worth of content was out there. And their response was to me, like, nope, nope, too much, too much out there. I just, you can't handle it. It's just too much information. And at the time, I think uh, Arkham was newer, so there's less products out there. And like, okay, this is, I'll just jump in this one because it's easier to, to digest and understand that. So I definitely see that happening. I don't know what your experience about that, Terrence.
0: Yeah, uh, I I think there's two parts to this. Uh, One, there is—is it overwhelming? Uh, I think the answer is yes. But on the flip side, like I would pose the question: like it's a cooperative game. You don't have to buy all of it. That's Uh, true. Like you can you can actually just buy. Like at my recommendation for a lot of people is like I started with the revised horse set coming from Arkham. I would definitely wait for that. uh, If you're interested in getting to Arkham, like I think that's coming out in October. You can wait till October. But like the you know like. Those course, you can just buy the core set and see if it is for you. Right. Like uh, that would be my first recommendation. Like don't buy the entire, it's not Kickstarter. You don't have to go all in. Right. Like you can, it is retail. You can't just get it. There's games with lots of expansions. Right. Um, that exists out there. So, you know, like I see Aeon's end behind you, right? Like you can't just buy one of those boxes. You don't have to buy the entire card pool of all of Aeon's end, you know, like Elder horror has how many expansions at this point. Right. <laughs> doesn't stop people from getting into it. Like you don't. True. The, I feel like there's this mentality in the the board game hobby for people who are really into it that it's like this collective collectionism. That's about. I. I if I'm gonna get it, I have to own all of it. Uh, that's definitely like not true. I think for any game, and so I, I think you can just get started with a kind of smaller kind of sample size of it and see if it's for you. And then if it is, then kind of. Uh, go more into it. Uh, we mentioned kind of progression style. I, it's very common. I think in like Lord of the Rings has been super popular because of the pandemic, right? Like talk about, uh, any of these LCGs is a great solo entry, especially when you don't have that play group to kind of fall back on and, um, you can it. it, They're great games to just be able to play on your own. And it's been really popular and people have gotten into it. And you know, that has definitely been a thing. Uh, but the, the flip side of my second point is actually getting hold of the packs. Even if you want to do something like progression style, we aren't consuming everything, uh, all at once is, can be challenging because right. there are so many product SKUs and, uh, they go in and out of print, not because they're not going to get printed again, but just cause the stock that has been printed because these games are popular get bought up. Right. Uh, right. Like all the, all the LCG lines, like stuff is in print and they go out of print. And you really just have to be patient and be able to wait like however long until they print it again. But they are printing this stuff generally, regularly. Uh, so don't pay like the $60 scalpel prices for a $15 product.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Terrence, your, Alex had a follow-up question you are already answering this one was, how would you solve this problem? You want to get new players into an LCG with lots of stuff. And I, I think you hit everything I was going to mention too, especially the progression style. Like I kind of want lean into that a little bit more because I, I also get the impression that I have to make the most optimal deck possible. And don't get me wrong, that's fun to do, but it is also fun to, to challenge yourself. What can I do with what's presented to me? And so, honestly, you could have like the entire card pool, but don't worry about it. Just grab a portion of it. It, it could be pro- progression style. It doesn't have to be. And just say, okay, with these cards, what is the best outcome I have? You know, And then, for me at least, that's how I started around this. Okay, I'm looking at these cards, I like this one card, I'm going to focus on this one card, and with these other cards in front of me, I can build this interesting combo. And then as I start getting more familiar with that, I start remembering, okay, I remember that this card was good, I like these effects, let's look at some more cards. And I start expanding that a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and eventually you get to, okay, I've got a good understanding of the card pool, the whole card pool, and I can go hog wild, right? So at least that's how I approach it. And then this also kind of gets into... Uh, Spycom had a question. How do you get good in deck construction? As a solo player that just started in Lord of the Rings, I'm having a blast, but no idea if I'm doing truly stupid stuff or making rookie mistakes.
0: Um, uh, you're definitely probably doing those things that everyone does. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, like You know, like, I imagine this is true for you, Steve. Like, I, I played a good hey, amount of Ryan. magic growing up as a kid, and that that gave me exposure to deck building but doesn't mean when i came to lord of the rings that my decks were good they were terrible you yeah. know like my recommendation is uh, i mentioned this guy bjorn uh who lives in austin where i live and he actually has this really great website called hog bjorn and there's both the search engine but you want the wordpress wordpress blog and on it there's a thing called bjorn's path and this is how i got started in uh kind of lord of the rings of like actually it was just like how do i actually build decks for lord of the Rings? because It is a different game and each of these games are different. So like, though there are similarities, like you're not gonna approach deck building the same. And if you try to like, your deck's not necessarily gonna be very good for that game. Um, And so Bjorn's path actually just goes through, I think the first cycle, I wanna say, I think it's the entire first cycle, I could be wrong, but he goes through and plays with the core set. And then kind of what's cool is like for each quest, he like talks about building a deck. And you know, this isn't necessarily the best deck you can build, it's just a deck, right? And then for each scenario, he'll then talk about like changes he's going to, he's making to the deck and why. And I, and I think that part of the thing is, is what's kind of really illuminating for like how you can build better decks is like, like being able to read why someone is like making these kind of choices and changes. And especially if you have a limited card pull that is just the core set of the first cycle, like he'll go through and look at like the new cards that come in, in each of those packs and then kind of analyze like not necessarily like the cards are bad, but like why they don't fit in this deck or why this particular card is a good fit for this deck. And then what cards you may want to take out. Right. Um, and so I think like reading through someone's kind of journey through that um, uh, is really good. I mean, he has, I want to say like thousands of decks built at this point. So he, he's a prolific deck builder, but like that, that, that helped me when I first started. Yeah. And for me, for deck construction,
1: I, I like to find a card that I want to focus on. It could be a hero. It could be an investigator. It could be just if card I haven't used before. And what I like to do, um, I completely agree with everything Terrence said about about using the resources. But um, if you if you want to do it without those resources, what I've done is looking at keywords or text on the cards, honestly, because a lot of times in these card games is they'll have like like a traits, for example, like superpower or something, or or defense or for like champions or something, or mystic, or like Lord of the Rings might have um, a mount, for example, as a trait. So like, I will just do a, a search on these websites for those keywords and get a big list of them. And then normally those cards will somehow interact with this other card I chose, and I just start throwing them all in there, and I start... Um, filling in the gaps after that point as I start seeing what's out there like okay cool I've got a lot of attachments I got a lot of allies I got a lot of resources Uh, what what can I use to help balance that out Um, and I go from there but ultimately in the end um, do I make great decks all the time absolutely not and I'm pretty sure Terrence can agree that I have made a lot of failures decks in fact he's he's like why why are you not playing test of will because I
0: did want to i
1: don't know so but um uh, it's fine
0: hey man there's some really bad treacheries in that game i, I don't know why you hate it like why you I, I get why you don't want to do it but like man if you're bringing a spirit deck like i feel like there's this assumption that you're going to cancel treacheries that's like, right that's right i feel like that that's like kind of staple there it's like when uh peter in marvel champions he like brings this he's like okay i'm gonna bring this justice deck and i'm like bro like you're I am forwarding more than you. What? The, why <laughs> did you build the justice deck? It's like oh, so I can confuse and flip to the other side. I'm just like, I mean, yes, I guess you can do that, but this is a multiplayer game. Like I expect right. you to handle right. the threat. Uh, you you asked specifically, I, I believe on Lord of the Rings was the question, right? Um, some general yes. tips that I would give you uh, when I started out that have been helpful to me is like allies are super strong, and uh, I would look at building forty or fifty percent, so twenty to twenty five cards in your deck starting. Uh, with allies that you can play Um, just because you get so much action economy out of them uh, would be my recommendation Uh, as you kind of get further in the game and and you understand the game better like that is not a hard fast rule but that's like a kind of generally good recommendation when you're starting some of the rules that i still use today as well are like i want to build a quest uh, for a solo a pure true solo deck like with six like i want to be able to quest six on the first turn so look at your heroes or like kind of the allies you're going to play on your opening turn or reliably be able to do that because that's kind of generally the guideline you're going to want for a lot of these quests um, is like six willpower is kind of a really good benchmark there. And then the other things that kind of get your head is like, there's really t- two things. It's like action economy against the encounter deck. And so how you get that is um, card, dr- uh, card draw and resource acceleration, right? So like having cards that allow you to get more than just top decking Cause top decking kind of sucks, but you know, happens like you want to be able to kind of get and see more cards or access the cards you want to get. Um, so having some ability to do that. And then the other ability is being able to pay for those cards that you're getting. Right. So, so like if you're able to kind of cover those bases um, and you may not be able to cover all of them perfectly, you know, but uh, I think be able to cover, like use those as kind of guideposts, uh, I think you'll be able to build at least a decent deck um, regardless of what else it does. Absolutely, yeah. I follow the same same
1: guidelines that you mentioned, specific for Lord of the Rings. Um, I'm not sure what those guidelines would be for the other games. It's a little bit. I'm not as, as I don't feel as confident building those as much. So.
0: I, I think there are similar things in Arkham One was starting out. Just like uh, you want to have probably like a third or a half your deck. I think in assets because mm-hmm. those are the kind of things that give you um, just make your character better, right? Uh, right. Like that tableau. Um, and assets can be both like allies and weapons and, you know, like generally you, you want to have not too many things that are competing for those slots because in Arkham, uh, like Lord Rings has generic restricted, but like a lot of attachments aren't even restricted, but like in Lord, in Arkham, right? Like you have hand slots, uh, mystics, sl- uh, arcane slots, you know, ally slots, you have a limited number of these. And so you don't necessarily want to have like 10 hand slots that. Uh, you have to discard one to to play that, put that in place. So you, you kind of want to have maybe like double, of like double or a little bit more than what you can actually put there. So you actually draw into it. Um, and then you kind of want to have enough, uh, a handful of skill cards uh, that kind of make up it. And then the other events, right. That are kind of giving you those boosts of stuff. Sure. Uh, at least that's how I started. And obviously like, as it's like, I, I, like for all these games, like as the game progresses, those rules, are very bendable, of, like, you're definitely going to build a lot of decks that don't follow those guidelines.
1: Yep, definitely. Cool.
0: Well, I
1: think this stream has gone a lot for the discussion. It's been an awesome discussion. Um, honestly, this went way longer than I expected. But honestly, because you guys, you guys jumped on the chat and asked some good questions. And I kept going. But thanks, guys, for watching and hanging out with us. But Terrence, thanks so much for hanging out with me.
0: Yeah, always a pleasure. Always happy to talk about LCGs. I actually prepped a ton of stuff that I never got to. <laughs> we can, yeah, I know. We could probably talk for another hour easy
1: on this. No problem. Uh, so if you want to hear more about this LCG, LCG talk or specific topics on this, drop them in the comments below. We'll uh, we'll generate some more, more discussions. This is, this is not going away. So, <laughs> well, thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you at the next stop. Bye, Bye everyone.
0: Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast.